0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, God willing, we're going to be continuing with our series of shirim on the inner world of addiction, and the title of tonight's class is going to be The Pleasure of Self-Overcoming. Now, the phrase self-overcoming itself actually has been discussed primarily in a sheer that we gave in the series on the Leshem, in the sheer titled the Bechira and Self-Manifestation. Um, and for anybody who's interested in the theoretical background or the kind of metaphysical background behind the psychological aspects of this sugya, um, is referred to the sheer on the Leshem. I forget exactly which number it is, but it's titled Bechira and Self-Manifestation. Now, the first public service announcement with regards to this class is the similar one that we've been discussing in all classes so far, which is twofold. Number one, when we speak about addiction, what we're truly speaking about is the potential towards addiction in the sense that addiction as the manifestation of the abject symptoms of the mental disorder that we refer to as substance abuse addiction is simply the furthest expression of what it means to be a human being that all human beings simply by virtue of being human beings live within the potential of becoming addicted or enslaved to any substance capital s in the sense of something that provides stability and substantiality and meaning in a world that seems to have lost meaning runs the risk of becoming stuck in numbing behaviors that take us out of the midst of life thereby disengaging us from the core of what our purpose in this world is, which is living within this world specifically. And secondly, when we speak about the nature of addiction and the symptoms and the conditions that arise and give birth to the phenomenon of addiction or potential towards addiction, what we are also speaking about is the cure to addiction itself. Because the animating feature of this series of classes is that within the illness itself, rests and abides the potential of the cure. Like Chazal have told us, like we saw in the name of the balatanya the Alta Rebbe, in the 31st parak of Tanya, that from the forest itself comes the handle for the axe. That if the forest represents the distortion and the distorted lifestyle that a person finds themselves in, it's specifically within that distortion that a person creates the vessels necessary to negate that distortion. Or like we've quoted in the name of the Ramban in multiple Shirim, that when Moshe Rabbeinu sweetened the bitter waters with a bitter tree, what he was disclosing was the methodology through which the infinite cures, which is different than human curative behaviors, in the sense that we take the bitter and we cure the bitter in itself. Not adding some extra Um, sweet element to the bitterness, thereby negating the bitterness as if it never existed, but rather reaching deep within the recesses of bitterness itself and disclosing that even bitterness at its core speaks and discloses the sweetness of experience and the sweetness of life. Now, the same is going to be true for this class. When a person finds themselves in the process of addiction, What it's referred to very often is a lack of self-control. That a person has become addicted to any object, any particular object, whether it's a drug of choice or some intoxicating behavior, which removes them from the midst of life, thereby numbing the pain of being alive. So a person is said to lack self-control when they're incapable of stopping that behavior, when they're incapable of making a choice, when they're incapable of being bocher, To negate that behavior and when a person finds themselves stuck within the habituated state of second nature because I've acted once and I've acted twice and I've acted a third time therefore it becomes second nature and it becomes the natural flow of my experience a person can be said to be stuck in a conditioned manner in the behavior itself that if I do something once twice and three times over After a while, at least according to Chazal, this becomes representative of the fact that I am falling into the pit of habituated experience, that my behaviors are no longer emanating from the core of who I am through choice, which we're going to be discussing, but rather it is what we would refer to as, Mm -hmm. Hasnachas hachayim lezerim hativi. Hasnachas hachayim Lazar hativi is a phrase that was written by the Chazonish, and roughly translated it means the abandonment of life to its natural order and its natural flow. That the chief negative characteristic amongst negative characteristics is the abandonment of oneself into the natural flow of their natural proclivities. When a person allows their soul, their spirit, their body, their psyche to do simply that which emerges in the impulsive nature of human experience without any withholding, without any blockage or without any resistance, that is when a person finds themselves on the path towards addiction. Like Chazal tell us that once a person does a negative action, and again, the negative action is going to be a relative term because for each person, the addictive behavior or the addictive mindset is going to have a different connotation. For one person, the addictive behavior might be thinking about a particular subject. So according to some other people, that that might not be seen as a negative behavior. But vis-a-vis that person, that becomes their addictive stance. Or a person might find themselves stuck within the repetitious experience of administering mind-altering chemicals to themselves, which becomes a negative action vis-a-vis their world experience. That, like we said in the introductory shir, kol chad mad m'shayr belibe. Each person, according to their own subjective experience in this world, knows in the deepest part of themselves what their addictive behaviors are. And when a person gives in to those addictive behaviors, when a person no longer has the ability to fight or to try and choose otherwise, that is when we say a person is being carried away by the flow of their impulsivity, which the Chazonish referred to as Haznacha Sakhaim Hativi, as the abandonment of the self to the natural sway of things. When I am no longer capable of choosing which behavior to engage in and which behavior not to engage in, it can be said that I am thereby stuck or enslaved or addicted to that particular behavior. Now this idea that the addict or the alcoholic or the potential addict or the potential alcoholic lives a life devoid of self-control, devoid of the ability to say to themselves, I must stop this behavior, is part and parcel of the larger process of stigmatization that addicts and alcoholics and the theoretical realm of addiction has experienced in the old model of addiction. For a number of years, the fullest expression being the war on drugs itself, addiction as a condition has been seen as an individual who has lost utter control of themselves, and because they have lost utter control of themselves, they're stuck in the natural impulsivity of their behaviors. And because a person has caused this to themselves, according to the old opinion of the choice model of addiction, the person bears responsibility and fault for falling into the habituated nature of impulsive behaviors where we lose the ability to choose what we would like to do. And as a result, if we see addiction as a series of behaviors that a person has chosen to the extent that they no longer have control over themselves, institutionalization and locking an individual up or punishing a person through a negative model of therapeutic intervention is a reasonable approach. Because if we see it that the person has been unable to limit their behaviors or unable to control their behaviors, then punishing the person or utilizing punitive measures of therapeutic intervention, taking away things, taking away children, taking away family, taking away business, for example, then it's reasonable to see that this is what a person deserves. But when we utilize the modern interpretations of addiction, which no longer see addiction as a condition of choice, but rather see addiction as a neurological disorder that goes beyond the realm of choice, that due to certain neurological issues or neurological mistakes that a person finds themselves stuck in a pattern of behavior that they're incapable of pulling themselves out of, we attempt to move away from the stigmatization of addiction and move into a more therapeutically compassionate space where we see the addict or the alcoholic or the potential addict or the potential alcoholic as any individual suffering from a form of mental or physical illness. Now, the disease model of addiction does not negate the responsibility or the accountability of the individual to fix that which they have incurred or acted out in their behaviors. But the only distinction is that the addict or the alcoholic or the potential addict is no longer going to be seen as being at fault for deliberately engaging in these behaviors. That the one thing that the disease model offers addicts and alcoholics in recovery is a removal and a retrieval away from the shame and the guilt that seems to compound the difficulties of what it means to be a quote unquote recovering individual. That instead of looking at addiction or alcoholism or the potential towards addiction as a series of deliberate choices wherein the individual, for example, chose their substance of choice above and beyond the substance of their family or the substance of their job or the substance of their intellectual pursuits, we can now look at addiction and alcoholism as a condition wherein the individual psyche, the midbrain of the individual provokes them and pushes them towards the substance of choice on a certain level beyond their ability to choose otherwise. This does not negate, this does not negate the responsibility of the accountability, but what it simply does is it reframes our concept of fault that the addict or the alcoholic is no longer seen as somebody who has deliberately engaged in these behaviors. And the hope is that when a person is no longer seen as being at fault for deliberately engaging in these behaviors, the shame and the guilt and the negative repercussions tend to fall away. But either way you look at addiction, the simple truth is true that the addict or the alcoholic seems to have lost the ability to choose that which they're doing that because of the habituated nature, because of the abandonment of the self into the flowing stream of the impulsivity of the self, the addict or the alcoholic is completely removed from the ability to pull themselves back. Now, this has been phrased in multiple ways and in 12-step literature and in secondary literature of the condition of addiction, whether it be philosophical or psychological, Addiction seems to be a heuristic. It seems to be a fundamental concept when it comes to discussing the free will of the agent, of the subject themselves. Because the addict finds themselves devoid of free will, that through the repetitious engagement of self medicating processes, whatever the behavior might be, whether it be in actuality or potential, the addict or the alcoholic or the potential addict finds themselves in a space. where where they are devoid of the capacity to volitionally choose otherwise. So this is the root of much of what is said about the addict or the alcoholic, that they no longer have a choice as to whether they want to use or not use their substance of choice or engage or disengage from their negative behavior, but rather they are stuck in this repetitious cycle that seems to act itself out infinitely in a repetition that remains over and over again, keeping the subject stuck in their negative behavior. Now, taken as a condition wherein the individual has lost the ability to choose volitionally what they would like to do or not, the question of recovery and the movement away from the conditions of addiction is seen as one where a person must re-engage with khira where a person must recapture the ability to act according to their own volition and their own will based on what they see as the proper path of behavior. So the path to recovery from addiction or alcoholism or the potential towards addiction or the potential towards alcoholism is the ability for a person to choose not to use their substance or to force themselves not to use their substance. And herein lies one of the fundamental difficulties of what it means to be a recovering individual or a recovering soul. Because if a person's entire life is centered around the sole purpose of disengaging from a particular behavior or disengaging from a particular form of lifestyle, then the animating function of a person's life is one of negativity that my job now is to disengage, is to remove, is to refrain from particular behaviors. And at its core, what this bespeaks is a certain sense of philosophical asceticism, that my job as a recovering individual who has been able to recognize that at a certain aspect of my life, there are behaviors or actions that keep me stuck in a fantastical sense of comfort as the result of a particular behavior, then the other side of moving away from it is going to simply be seen as a certain form of asceticism, a certain form of renunciating pleasure, a certain form of saying to myself that what I have been doing until now is not okay, and now my sole purpose is to refrain, is to disengage, is to force myself to not engage in a particular behavior. And when a person speaks of asceticism, when a person speaks of self-control in this sense, so the connotation or the concept that arises is that for the recovering individual, for the soul of chaos that has descended into this world from the lofty potential of the chaotic lights in the vessels of rectification, those souls that have tasted more light than this world could handle The sole purpose of experience in the process of recovery seems to be one of ascetic renunciation of the self where I can no longer do what comes to the core of my being, where I need to hold back. And this, with all of its negative connotations of the negation of the self, of refraining from the self, of self-limitation, the connotations that emerge from this is one of draconian practices Practices of saying to myself, I cannot engage in any pleasure. I don't deserve pleasure. Or I can no longer engage in the behaviors that seem meaningful and pleasurable and happy to me. That recovery through this perspective of ascetic ascetic renunciation of the self or disengagement or trying to apply certain self limits to myself carries with itself negative connotations in the sense that my entire purpose now is to disengage, is to refrain, is to hold back away from what my natural proclivities of myself is. And very often that implies a certain denial of pleasure, a denial of experience. So that many addicts and alcoholics, when they confront some of the most difficult fears or anxieties of what recovery brings, is the question of how can I ever enjoy again? If my entire life now is centered around not enjoying or removing enjoyment from my life or freeing myself from the confines of being stuck in that illicit pleasure that I was engaging in, then the recovering lifestyle is seen to be animated around the simple truth that in the rest of my life, I need to stop myself from doing what comes naturally. I need to negate pleasure. I can no longer, because of my mistakes, because of my stigmatization and my, the issues that have arisen from my behavior, I can no longer take pleasure or enjoy in this world. And for many addicts and alcoholics, both clinically and in the non-clinical sense of the potential towards addiction, individuals find themselves confronting this difficult sense that life is now meant to be lived in the ascetic negation of enjoying myself. I can no longer do things that feel good. I can no longer engage in behaviors that take away the sting of life. I can no longer engage in behaviors that offer comfort. And for many individuals, in recovery and not in recovery, this becomes one of the major roadblocks to the process of recovery. Because why would a person want to engage in a life cycle in the process where they remove pleasure from their life? Where the only condition of what their life needs to be is one of negation, is one of removing themselves from negative behaviors. And it's specifically here, it's specifically at this nikudah that I want to try and utilize the teachings of Hasidus and Kabbalah or Panimia Satora as we phrase these shirim to attempt to reconfigure or reevaluate the entire notion of asceticism and the entire notion of what it means to set limits for ourselves, that if I can speak the sources properly, what the shear is coming to offer is a reevaluation of what it means to say no to ourselves. That at first glance saying no to ourselves seems to be a negative experience, one of negation one of severity, one of self-control, one of ascetic denial of pleasure in this world, one that says, because I've messed up, I can no longer do X, Y, or Z. And I would like to utilize the light of Hasidus and the light of Panimia Satora to offer another option, which says that recovery, and the attempt to move away from the habituated experience of our lives or the Haznach HaSachayim Lazarem Hativi, the abandonment of the self to the natural sway of our impulsivity, it's not simply that it's not negative. It's not simply that it's a renunciation or a negation of the pleasure of experience, but rather that saying no to ourselves and setting limits for ourselves or limiting the expression of our souls and our bodies is in truth one of the greatest pleasures, one of the greatest and highest loftiest spaces in spiritual and philosophical experience that we can possibly have access to in this world. That the saying no and the setting limits and this ascetic impulse which says that I must set limits for myself to say no to that desire, to say no to that craving, to say no to that trigger, is not some negation, is not some draconian darkness which says that my body must be punished as a result of some original sin that creates this pollution in the self, but rather is an expression of the self which allows me to disclose a deeper level of my essence than actual experience and pleasure gives me. That saying no, and limiting ourselves, and controlling ourselves, and saying no to the base desires, and saying no to our impulsivity, is in truth the makom, the specific place that we are capable of expressing and disclosing that which makes us human, which is the power of choice. That if addiction is the negation of choice, where a person no longer has the ability to choose what they would like to do and what they would not like to do as a result of the chemical dependency on some substance or the psychological dependency on some behavioral form, that recovery is our ability to choose to choose, to reanimate the koach of b'chira, of choice, of volitional action, and to show that the deepest expression of b'chira the deepest expression of what it means to be a mensch, what it means to be a human being, is the ability to overcome our base desires, to overcome the resistance in the in front of us. And Chazal understood this with a profound prophetic nature, that when Hashem says that the world is good, Chazal tell us that good is representative of the Yetzir Hatov, the positive inclinations of the spirit, the natural proclivity of a human being to do good and to preserve the self. Tov ma'od, very good, the duplication of good, the instantiation of a deeper level of good that was not revealed in the beginning. Zayye zahara, this is the negative capacity, this is that part of ourselves which wants to do that which is destructive. That drive to destroy ourselves. That thanatos, that self-destructive drive, and it's specifically there that we're able to disclose a deeper level of good. A doubled nature of good. The yeser she'es that the souls of Kayin are capable of disclosing. That yeser chela that the Balchuva has above and beyond the righteous individual that it's specifically within the Yitzhar, within the realm of the negative inclination of the spirit, within the natural proclivity of the self to abandon itself to its natural flow and its natural tendency, it's specifically when we overcome that resistance, when we overcome that natural tendency, where we disclose the true essence of ourselves, which is the Tov Ma'od, which is specifically when a person has the Koyach to be Miskaber on their Yitzhar. When a person finds within themselves the reservoirs of strength, of gavura, of severity, which allows them to overcome that natural proclivity to engage in whatever it is that we want to engage in, whether it be a substance of choice, a behavior of choice, a philosophy of choice, a thought of choice, or an emotion of choice. That it's specifically in saying no that we touch the deepest part of ourselves. And by shifting the saying no, by shifting the nature of negation, by shifting the nature of what it means to say no to ourselves, to remove ourselves from the behavior that we want to engage in, to hold ourselves back, to withhold ourselves, instead of being this draconian nature of asceticism, which says I must punish my flesh because I don't deserve pleasure in this world, because I've sinned, heaven forbid, because I'm broken or because I'm dirty, all of which have promoted this stigmatization of addiction, the stigmatization of the severe and broken soul, which seeks more than what this world has to offer. What I am attempting to describe right now is a way of looking at negation, a way of looking at saying no to oneself, of holding oneself back, of setting limits to oneself, of applying self-control, is not one of saying no to pleasure, but rather it is the deepest expression of pleasure itself that within the withholding, within the negation, within that ascetic impulse which says that there is a deeper abiding light within my ability to withhold myself than there is within my ability to allow myself to do whatever it is that I want to do, an individual can touch the deepest recesses and the core of their soul, which is the place of saying no, which is the place of withholding, which is the interpretation of what Chazal say in Pirkei Avos, in the fourth parak of the Ethics of the Father, in the first Mishnah of Ezehu Gibor, Hakovish Yitzro. who is somebody who embodies the trait of gevura? Who is somebody who embodies the trait of severity? Who is somebody who truly understands what it means to have control over the self? It is somebody who is Kovish Yitzro. It is somebody who applies the limitation of the self to themselves. It is somebody who is able to say that I will overcome my base desire. I will not engage in that behavior. And it's specifically there that the Nishama has its ability to express itself in the deepest way possible. And the sources that we're going to look at right now are going to show us theoretically and philosophically and spiritually why it is that specifically in saying no to the natural desires of the self, specifically in limiting ourselves, specifically in withholding ourselves, specifically in setting limitations to ourselves and not allowing ourselves to do whatever it is that we want to do, whatever the behavior might be, we gain access to the deepest part of ourselves, which is the ability to say low, the ability to say no, the ability of the negation. And as we're going to see, psychologically speaking, the fundamental reason that the negation of the self, that the self-bittle, that the saying no touches the core of who we are, is because, as we said last week, at the core of what the recovery theology is is one of negation. It's a negative theology that at the core of our experiences, we cannot express in any positive terms what God is. That the only healthy description of our higher power is a higher power of our understanding. One that remains tied up in the deep recesses of subjectivity due to the realization that we can never truly grasp what the essence of God is. That at yisparach, that the essence of God is never truly the essence of God. Because if we were to lay claim to what the quote-unquote essence of God is, what we would be guilty of is the sin of idolatry, the sin of measuring what the infinite is and applying limited and finite measurements to the infinite. And that the truest expression of human experience is not one of knowledge, but rather one of faith. Because faith is constituted by the inability to understand what something is. If I could know something empirically, there's no room for faith anymore. It's only when I can no longer identify the empirical truth of things that I am forced to believe in something greater than myself. Which is why, as we said in the name of Bill W., in the formulation of the second step of Alcoholics Anonymous, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Had Bill W. written, we came to know a power greater than ourselves, we would see the 12-step theory as one that is idolatrous, as one that says, I can lay claim to the essence. I can assert positive affirmations of what infinity is, of what a higher power is but by utilizing the word we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves as opposed to we came to know in a power greater than ourselves. What Bill W. and the founding fathers of Alcoholics Anonymous in their deep intuition allowed for us is the realization that at the core of our experience, we cannot lay claim to the essence. We cannot claim what the higher power is but rather we can point towards the higher power and say, this is what it feels like for me. That kol chad lefumad mashayir belibe. And if the essence of the spiritual path is coming to the realization that we know nothing, like the Rambam and Maimonides teaches us that it is specifically biderech shlila, by way of negation a negative theology that we grasp God, not by saying what God is, but rather saying what God is not, we come closest to understanding the essence of God, so to speak. That it is specifically in the renunciation of grasp, specifically in the renunciation and the negation of knowledge, that we allow ourselves to access this deep space where we recognize that it is specifically in my not knowing that I come closest to my soul, that I come closest to my neshama, that tachlis hayadiah, like Rabbi Nachman teaches us over and over, Shaloneda, that the apex of knowledge is coming to the realization of the fact that I do not know. And if the deepest spiritual or theological truth is one of negation, is one of coming to the realization that after all is said and done, I still cannot say that I know what it is that I'm trying to grasp, but rather I can only say what it is not, utilizing the language of Ainsof, of no limitation, a negation of limitation, then so too, in the psychological experience of what it means to be a human being, it is specifically in not engaging in behaviors that I touch the depth of my soul. It is specifically when I recognize there are certain things that I cannot do, that I must limit myself from certain behaviors, that I must withhold myself, that I must limit myself to an almost ascetic ideal where I no longer engage in the pleasures of the flesh, where I no longer engage in my substance of choice. That is how I touch the deepest part of myself. Because just like understanding Hashem can only be by way of negation, by way of shlila, by way of coming to the realization that at the end of the day, after all that is said and done, I know nothing, so too with regards to the soul of the individual, after all is said and done, after I've attempted to experience the pleasures of the flesh, the behaviors that offer comfort of my soul, I come to the realization that the deepest pleasure that I can experience The deepest way of functioning in this world is one of negating the attempt to find comfort, of negating the behavior that seeks out comfort in some artificial or illicit substance. So that saying no, or that refraining, or not giving in to a craving, allows me to access the deepest part of myself, the part of myself that connects to the deepest space of my faith, which is that ne- negative theological place where I realize that that the apex of knowledge is coming to the place where I no longer know anything. That That place where I come to the realization that I no longer know anything. And what I can simply do is refrain. What I can simply do is hold back. Because by not engaging, by negating, what I am accessing is the deepest part of myself. And this is what it means when Chazal tell us, Ezahu gibor hakobe shes Yitzro." So the first Makor that I want to utilize to describe this experience is going to be from the Mitla Rebbe. And this is going to be an old idea already started with the Balatanya, that when God created the world or when human beings experienced the world, There are two modes of experience. One is that of expression, of engagement, of positive experience, where I take whatever it is that I want, where I allow myself to flow with the natural proclivity of my spirit and the impulsive nature of doing whatever it is that emerges at first thought. And in the life of the addict or the alcoholic, that means engaging in whatever behavior, whatever object that provides any momentary glimpse of comfort or pleasure in this world. And then there's going to be the other side of the equation, which is negation, which is withholding, which is symptom, which is when I say that I don't want to emerge. I want to withhold myself. I want to move inwards. I don't want to experience the pleasures of these objects of addiction, these objects of desire, but what I want to experience is the depth of myself, is my ability to overcome that base desire. And for the Balatanya and for the Mitla Rebbe, as expressed by the Magad of Mezrich and by the Balshemtov and by the Arizal and by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the Zohar, these two modes of expression one of expressing oneself in a positive form and one of withholding oneself in a form of negation, are represented in the experience of mitzvahs losaase and mitzvahs asse, of positive commandments and negative commandments. The positive commandment tells me what I must do, how to engage in this world, how to allow my soul to express itself through its natural proclivity to act and engage in reality. And the losaase the negative action is what tells me what not to do, how to withhold myself. Now, mitzvah asay and losa losase are again going to be rooted in these natural impulsive drives. One that says, "Express yourself, do what comes naturally, engage in objects, engage in behavior," and one that says, "Negate behavior, withhold yourself, limit yourself, don't do something." Now the typical way of understanding this bimodality of human behavior, of the positive assertion of the self as, re- as representative in mitzvahs ase, and the negation of the self and the withholding of the self as represented by mitzvahs los asay, the typical assumption is that the positive assertion, engaging in behaviors, doing what comes naturally, finding comfort in a substance, finding comfort in an object, seems to be of a loftier level than negation. There's a halachic concept, there's a rabbinic concept that that a positive commandment pushes away a negative commandment. That if I'm standing at a crossroads where I have in front of me a negative commandment and a positive commandment, that I should engage in the positive commandment first because that assertion of the self, that movement out of myself, that engagement with the world, that finding solace and pleasure and relief in this world seems to override the ability to withhold myself. So that the ase, the positive assertion, becomes the primary mode of functionality. But in Hasidus, and in Pinimiyah Satorah, and in Kabbalah, we touch a reevaluation of this binary opposition, which tells us that in spite of the fact that you might think you're disclosing a deeper part of yourself through engagement, through utilization of behaviors, through allowing myself to be naturally impulsive, to engage in whatever behavior arises within the recesses of my mind, in truth, it's specifically in the losa, I say. It's specifically in the negation of behavior. It's specifically in the withholding, in the management of craving, in not allowing myself to give in to that temptation of the spirit that I'm capable of touching the loftiest level of experience because for the Mitla Rebbe and for Panimia Satora in general, there is a loftier nature to the Losa Asay, to the negation of behavior, to the withholding of the self than there is to the assertion of the self through a positive engagement, through a positive action. And to read from Mamre admorha Imsa'i in Nevim and Ksuvim on DAF 63. Now, this entire mimer, this entire essay discusses this idea, but I'm only going to use the source text to show what I'm trying to say. He says as follows Dimitam Hanal from this particular reason, Vadai Shoresh Halosa Ase, Gavohim in Ase. It's clear and obvious that the root of what it means to negate the self, to withhold the self, to not engage in something to hold back from a craving, to not engage in what my soul is wanting me to engage in, is a loftier level than the ase. that engaging in what my soul wants to engage in, that withholding myself and overcoming the base desires of my spirit, I'm actually accessing a deeper part of myself. The in-came shoresh ase. the root of the negative commandments, the root of what it means to not engage, is loftier and of a higher spiritual space than the positive commandments. And what the Mitla Rebbe says is this is what it means when the Torah says, that negation precedes affirmation. That addiction wants us to engage in whatever behavior offers any momentary glimpse of comfort from this world. And the natural assumption of human beings is that in engaging my base desires, I am accessing a true aspect of myself. But what we see from these teachings is that it is specifically in the renunciation and the negation of that behavior, of withholding myself, of setting a limit for myself, that I engage the truest essence of myself. That it's specifically in saying no to something that I am capable of experience what it means to be a human being who chooses volitionally what I want to do and what I don't want to do one of the most offensive comments in the history of treatment for addiction is betty reagan's just say no not betty reagan i'm sorry but the concept of just say no that just say no implies that it is on the addict or the alcoholic or the potential addict or the potential alcoholic to simply overcome the base drive and the base craving and the base desire to engage in their substance of choice, whatever that might be. As if to say that it is simple as just renunciating that pleasure, of saying no to it. But when we're capable of looking beyond the political and the sociological elements that make such a statement so embarrassingly negative and failing, in what it means to recover from addiction, we have access to a potential hint of what the essence of recovery is. That on a certain level, recovery is truly all about just saying no, of accessing that space within ourselves that recognizes that negation of the self is what allows us to experience true pleasure even a pleasure beyond the affirmation of engaging in any behavior that arises in my mind. That is specifically in limiting myself and not engaging in behavior, in saying no in the daily experience that the potential addict experiences of saying to myself, at this moment, I will not engage in the behavior that promises relief, but rather I will withhold myself by way of the negative commandment of refrain because it is specifically in refrain that I can touch the essence of myself, which can never be affirmed in any positive form, but only affirmed by way of negation. That by saying no to myself and overcoming my base desires, I have access to the deepest part of myself. And in the following the footsteps of the Mitla Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, Rav Shlomo Dovber Schneerson, a miraculous human being, who wrote more extensively and more potently than any Rebbe that preceded him, expresses something profound. And this is going to be found in Torah Shalom, in the random discourses, so to speak, of the Rebbe Rashab. And this is going to be on page 183 in the new printing. And the Rebbe Rashab says as follows. Hinei almus ha'or yesh koach atzmi biyoter bikoach agiloi in the withholding of light, in the negation of light, in the containment of light, in the symptom, in the contraction of light, there is a deeper expression of the self than that part of the self that is expressed in the revelation, in disclosure. Because when a person is capable of saying no to something, when a person is capable of limiting themselves, what they're accessing is the deepest part of themselves. That it's one thing to engage in anything that arises on your spirit. It's one thing to give allowance to any base desire that emerges and to think that I am experiencing what it means to human being. It's another level to withhold. The kalim, the vessels, that which prevents the light from emerging, that which says no in existence, is in truth emerging from a deeper level of the self because I have overcome myself. I am no longer stuck in the hativi. <laughs> I am no longer stuck in that abandonment of the self to the natural proclivities of myself, devoid of any choice, but now I am actually capable of overcoming my base desire of saying to myself, Ad kan tavo, I will not go any further. I will overcome this base desire and I will say no to myself. And it's specifically there that I experience the deepest level of pleasure of what it means to be a human being. Because I have chosen to not do something. I've experienced the core of what it means to be who I am, the ability to set limits that just like God, so to speak, needed to set limits to his infinite light before the creation of the world or for the purpose of the creation of the world, that just like God, so to speak, spreads out a distorting mesach, a partition that blocks the infinite light, which in truth is rooted in a loftier place than the light itself, saying no to the self, renunciating the pleasures of the self, is the deepest pleasure of the self because I'm disclosing a part of myself that was hitherto non-disclosed. So on a practical level, when the addict or the alcoholic says no to a craving, says no to engaging in the object of desire at that moment, what they're doing is they're overcoming themselves and thereby truly experiencing life. So that recovery is no longer seen as simply the renunciation of the self, or saying no to myself in some draconian, negative, dark way, but rather it is a further expression of myself which says this is who I truly am. That in saying no to drugs, and saying no to alcohol, and saying no to the base desire, and saying no to the proclivity of myself to abandon myself to that which comes most easy to me, I allow myself to experience that severity of the self, that overcoming of the self, which says, no, specifically at this moment, I am going to say that I have the ability to choose volitionally through Bechira, which is the entire purpose of creation, to overcome my base desire. And nobody expresses this idea better than Rav Huttner. Rav Yitzchak in his writings on Purim, in the 26th Mimer, in the 26th essay of Purim, understands this idea based on a comment of the Chazonish better than anybody. Now, what I'm going to be reading from is the English translation because the text itself is so fundamental. He says as follows. The following is written in the diary of one of our great Torah thinkers. Now, who he's referring to is the Chazonish. Rafutner had an obsession with the Chazonish, and as we saw the Chazonish, truly understood what it meant to live within temptation and the joy and the potency of the self and the self-actualization and overcoming that is experienced in the negation of base desire. So he quotes from the Chazonish and he says as follows, that it's written in the diary of one of the great Torah thinkers. A person has not yet savored the quality of his soul until he has made a genuine effort to rule over his desires and passions. This righteous individual was a person of deep emotions and feelings in his submission to the will of God and in his desire to constantly intensify his passion for God. Meaning to say that this ability to say no to the self, this ability to overcome base desires, is in truth the deepest pleasure of the self. The following will give us a deeper glimpse into the meaning of this above-quoted phrase. The pleasure that a person derives from tasting the power of overcoming themselves is totally separate and distinct from his enjoyment of any other pleasure. All other human pleasures are directed at achieving something that is outside of a person's essence. But when a person satisfies a desire, he is taking pleasure from an object. The typical mode of desire, the typical mode of pleasure is when I engage in some positive movement out of myself to find comfort in this world. When a person satisfies his desire, he's taking pleasure in an object. What we have here are two distinct entities, a person who's able to enjoy and the object that brought about the pleasure. Meaning to say that When I find pleasure in things outside of myself, when I engage in the movements that move me towards those substances that give me comfort, the pleasure comes from something outside of me. However, the satisfaction of achieving overcoming the self is a pleasure of a totally different nature, says Ravutner. Achieving self-overcoming makes it possible for a person to feel the power of his inner self, of their essence. I was victorious, I overcame. The very passion for overcoming is the fervor to be able to feel the strength and the force of what I can achieve by myself through the force of my own insight, knowledge, skill, strength, and willpower. The savoring of the pleasure of self overcoming is such that both the person and the object of his pleasure are one and the same. When I am able to say no to something, when I am able to disengage, when I am able to say that I will not give, give room for this base desire, when I will not allow this craving or this trigger to overcome my ability to recover, what I'm finding pleasure in is in and of myself. I'm not seeking pleasure, I'm not finding pleasure in the mitzvahs ase, in the positive movement outside of myself and engaging with an object other than myself. But the joy and the pleasure of self-experience and self-assertion and self-overcoming is experienced mine ube. Like we said at the beginning of the class and throughout the classes, that from the forest itself comes the hammer for the ax. That is specifically when I overcome my base desires that I find the deepest level of pleasure. That it's specifically when I negate my ability to engage in desire that I find true pleasure the savoring of the pleasure of self-overcoming is such that both the person and the object of his pleasure are one and the same. The depth of savoring self-overcoming in comparison to other pleasures are such that the pleasure does not derive from an object outside of myself, but rather it comes from a feeling of power of the I, the true self in me, And in this way, the self-overcoming is identified with the essence of my individuality. One of the most difficult statements in recovery is the sense that in the first step, the first movement that we must make is the admittance of powerlessness. That the addict, the alcoholic, the potential addict, the potential alcoholic is powerless, is incapable of choosing what they want to do that they have been mazniach es atzmam lehaznoch ha-sachayim hativi. that they have abandoned themselves to the natural proclivity and flow of what it means to be a human being, and thereby we've lost the ability to volitionally choose. But when we understand the words of Bill W. in 12 steps properly, admitting that we are powerless is almost a contradiction in terms because the act of admittance is a positive movement. It's an action. Whether admittance means whether admitting that I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol and that my life has become unmanageable, whether admittance means confessing to something that I've always known, but that I've been hiding as a result of social or political reasons, or if admitting means admitting myself into a space and living as if I am an addict or an alcoholic or a potential addict or a potential alcoholic, the act of admission demands a certain level of power. It demands a certain assertion of the self. So admitting that I'm powerless is a contradiction in terms because on the one hand, admitted demands a power of the self, the ability to choose what I want to do with my life, how I want to look at my life. On the other hand, powerlessness means that I lack power. But herein lies the secret of what it means to be a recovering individual. That the one power that we have, the choice that we must engage in, is to choose powerlessness. Is to choose to recognize that it is specifically in inactivity, in not acting, in the negation of power, in the withholding of the self, in self-limitation, in saying no to drugs or alcohol, in saying no to that base desire that we actually access the deeper part of ourselves which allows us to experience a level of pleasure that is inordinate to the level of pleasure that typically comes from positive assertion. And next week, Bezra Sashem, we're going to see how this can be applied to the daily life of an individual at each moment that they experience. That the one rule of what it means to be a recovering individual is the rule that a person must live from one moment at a time and one day at a time. That it's specifically in each and every moment that we experience, that we have this capacity to overcome ourselves, thereby disclosing a deeper level of the self that hitherto would have been inaccessible had we not had the struggle with addiction or stuckness.